Get your questions ready. The Fantasy Forecast with Anita Marks starts right now. What's up? What's up? It is Anita Marks. That would be me. Ty producing the show as always on this Sunday morning. Bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. My Uber Eats driver came in a lickety split time. So I am all... Mm, can you can you just hear my coffee type? Mm. Mm. I can hear it. <sighs> I'm all um I'm all revved up, geared up uh <laughs> for today's show. Uh and it's going to be a fun one. A lot to get to obviously. So uh, so as always our first hour is is typically fantasy, but of course uh there's not really a lot of fantasy to be discussed. Um you obviously you can play DFS now and hopefully a lot of folks are dabbling in that. I'll have uh, DFS lineups ready for you at the end of the show in regard to the players that I'm going to play today and, and my lineup. So you definitely want to stay tuned for that. Uh, we also have, we're going to hear from Cynthia Freeland. Um, she was on with me yesterday with some picks, some plays, and also some insight on uh, on the Giants' new head coach hiring, uh, Brian Dable. Why? Well, she worked for the Buffalo Bills organization as a uh, in-house broadcaster uh, talking about analytics and, and whatnot. She did that for the Jets in the preseason two years ago, if you remember. And she did it for the Bills yesterday, or, or last season. So she was on with us yesterday. And so she's got some really great insight on the hire of Brian Dable, as well as uh, as Joe Shane. So excited to talk to her. And of course, she breaks down the games with me. So uh, we'll play that for you coming your way in just a few minutes. And then, uh, and then Mike Clay, who I always say, I think he's one of the brightest uh, folks that work at ESPN and um, he's uh, him and I do a podcast every Friday. It's our NFL prop bet podcast. And so I'm going to play that podcast for you. What we do is we go down both games. We go through both games and we share all our favorite prop bets heading into today's slate of games. And of course it's Cincinnati in Kansas city, taking on the Kansas city chiefs uh, kickoff is at around three o'clock and then, uh, and then the late game tonight is the 49ers against the Rams. So uh, it's 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 going to be a good one. Out of these, you know, these can you believe, Ty? Can you believe that these are the four teams remaining? Like, yeah, I mean, listen. Okay, so full disclosure, my preseason NFL pick was Bills over Rams. Okay, I mean, okay, Bills almost made it. A lot of people feel they should. A lot of people complained about the overtime rule. Get all that. I disagree with it. You know, defense is part of football. You need you need to have a good defense out there to try to stop the opponent. That's just as important as offense. But nonetheless, uh, um, so now here are the four. So I'm not surprised with Kansas City, Abby, uh, but and not surprised with the Rams. Again, they're who I I I, I chose to, uh, to to represent the uh, the NFC. But Cincinnati to make it this far, and um, and the 49ers with Jimmy Garoppolo. To make it this far, it's really, it's really, really unbelievable. It's 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 pretty sensational to be to be quite honest. Are you are you surprised? Tie you there? Yeah, Did, no. I was it, just gonna say, like with uh, Kansas City, I know a lot of people got off that bandwagon just because they had such a slow start to the season, and it's so funny to go back and listen to all the people who said. You know, they've, we've figured out Patrick Mahomes. Defenses have figured him out. And now he's back in the AFC Championship game for the fourth straight, uh, fourth straight year. How about that? Four, four years in the NFL, four AFC Championship games for Patrick Mahomes. 
it's 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 really unbelievable and you you can't even question why uh he's uh he's getting 500 million dollars <laughs> yeah i mean he's he's clearly if not the best one of the best quarterbacks in the league and then joe barrow i mean last year we watched him get destroyed behind that offensive line to to be one year removed from that and now a, a win away from the super bowl is just incredible and then the other, on the other side you know how much i love aaron rodgers the packers they blew that game they should be here this weekend but credit to the Niners for the defense getting that done and um, and, and Kyle Shanahan, him being the, the genius that he is. And then the Rams is Super Bowl or bust, in my opinion. You know, I, I went back and uh, I, I looked at this year's draft because, as we know, the 49ers had a plethora of picks that they gave up to move up to go get Trey Lance. And um, I'm, I'm looking, like, in regard to, like, a, a few players that, that – Right now, the the 49ers could have in their possession um, with Jimmy Garoppolo behind center because there's still a lot of question marks about Trey Lance. Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Penny Sewell, um, Devontae Smith. Just, just again, just to, just to name a few guys that the 49ers could have had and uh, in, in added to that arsenal along with Greg Kittle and uh, and Debo Samuel and Elijah Mitchell and who knows who else. So but it is what it is. You know, they gave up they gave up really their uh, a fortune to move up to go get Trey Lance. Um it will be interesting to see if the 49ers and I I know I'm 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 already giving you my pick here and we're going to be on with you until 11 a.m. And we got Matthias Kiwanuka, who's going to join us at 8 o'clock. We've got Mike Tannenbaum, who's going to be joining us at 10 o'clock. We're going to break down both these games at nauseum, I'm sure. Uh, but I, I really like the 49ers, even though the Rams were my preseason pick, along with the Buffalo Bills. Again, anybody could have, either team could have won that game last week between the Bills and Kansas City. I can't honestly sit there and tell you, like, one team was better than the other. It just, it came down to overtime, and it came down to the team that had the ball last and was able to put, score a touchdown. So, and, and the Bills' defense couldn't stop them. Uh, on the other side, with the Cincinnati Bengals, I, I don't feel the best team won. I, I think Tennessee was the better team. But unfortunately, when you've got a quarterback in Ryan Tannehill who throws three interceptions, it's hard to come back from that. It's hard to win from that. But if you look at the statistics, if you look at, if you really watch that game and, and you broke it down, uh, Tennessee really was the more dominant team. They were the better team. It's just, again, you can't win when you turn the ball over three times and the opposing the opposing team has a field goal kicker that they had just drafted uh, in the fourth round this season, uh, who who as a rookie breaks an NFL record for most field goals converted at fifty yards or more. So I mean that's their secret weapon, which is really really ridiculous. Um, so and, and meanwhile the 49ers, two road upsets, so a very impressive road, more impressive road I should say for the 49ers to get where they are right now compared to, to Cincinnati. So, but I, I really do like the 49ers. So like I said, it's going to be really interesting if the 49ers and the Kansas city chiefs go to the super bowl. And let's just say wild, wild turn of events. The 49ers win the super bowl and you know, the, the draft capital. And I'm going to discuss this with Mike Tannenbaum when he joins us at 10 AM today, the draft capital that the, that the 49ers gave up to get, to get Trey Lance, like it, it, it just they're they're gonna have to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, regardless if they win the Super Bowl or not. And and that's only happened a few times in the history of the NFL. It happened with Trent Dilfer, with the uh, with the with the Baltimore Ravens, and I'm trying to think. It happened with another quarterback at one point in time. 
So only tw- two times in the course of, of the history of the NFL that I recall, I could be wrong here, I'm not a historian when it comes to the NFL, that a quarterback won a Super Bowl for the team and then the following season the team moved off, moved away from that quarterback. So it's going to be it's going to be wild. So um so again, just to kind of break down the next few hours with you. We get back, we're going to hear from Cynthia Freeland again, some really great insight and nuggets on Brian Dable as well as breaking down the two games today. Uh, you'll hear from Mike Clay and I, again, phenomenal podcast. We're 60, by the way, we're 60, Ty, we're 60% on the season. And so That's folks, shabby. It, it's not, especially when you're talking about prop bets, right? Like um, it, it's one thing to handicap games. Uh, it's another to handicap prop bets. And so um, again, Mike Clay and I, we've been doing this since uh, week one of the NFL season and we're at 60%. And f- folks out there who, who maybe you don't gamble, maybe you don't dabble, uh, anything over 56% is, is, is really successful in our industry and in our business. It means you're winning money. It means, or at least you're breaking even if you're at 56, 57, 58%. So for Mike and I to be at 60% at this stage in the game, no pun intended, um, talking about prop bets is, has been pretty lucrative for a number of folks who've been following us on the podcast. So we're going to share that for you as well. And then I'll end the show with my DFS lineups for today. Uh, for both games combined, as well as the individual games that, of course, you pick a captain, a VIP, um, that gets extra points. We all know how, it, how, how it's done. Kiwi joins us on the show at the top of the hour at 8 o'clock. Uh, we'll dive into, get his thoughts on the Giants hire. Uh, and Mike Tannenbaum joins us at 10 o'clock. And also, you know, if you were listening to us yesterday, we were on from noon to 3, and we were on when the news broke. Adam Schefter is reporting that, uh, that Adam Schefter and... Um, uh, Jeff Darlington, by the way, got to give them both credit. I know how this business works. So they're both reporting yesterday around what time was it, Ty? Like two o'clock? This happened actually around like two thirty-five, two forty, because we were midway through that interview. Right. So, so around two two thirty, two forty-five was when the news broke that that Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington reporting that uh, Tom Brady, after twenty-two years playing in the NFL, was going to retire. And as the day progressed. More news came out. His father, his agent, and the Bucks, as well as Jenna Lane, who covers the Bucks for ESPN, all came out and said that that is inaccurate. He has not made a decision whether or not he's going to retire or not. He is not notified. In fact, when the news broke, Tom Brady personally called the Bucks organization and the general manager and said, slow your roll. I have not made a decision yet. Tom Brady apparently is vacationing. He's out of the country right now. Uh, I don't know, maybe during this vacation he's going to marinate, as I like to say. Uh, he's going to marinate in this and make a decision when he gets back. Um, also, since then, Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network is also reporting that Tom Brady plans to retire. So, I mean, this could be one of two things, right? This could be Tom Brady's upset that somebody else uh, broke his story and that he's not in control of his narrative, and he's upset that this came out prior to him being able to communicate it. That could be one angle. Or, listen, this is a guy who loves football. This is a guy who loves competition. He loves to compete. Maybe he's not, maybe, I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a tough decision. You're like, you know, beyond, beyond football, just your lifestyle. You know, every morning, it's like, imagine this. Like, every morning you go to work and you go to work and you, it's like you're going to a fraternity, right? Like, the camaraderie. The guys, 
the locker room, right? Like you're breaking bread. You're with your buddies. You're with your best friends. It's like the, the entire week is a party. Yes, they're they're practicing hard. Yes, they're preparing hard. Yes, endless amounts of time watching film. All but 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 the workplace is a family. The workplace is and it's and it's different from your own family. And not to say that the that, that the Bucks or the Patriots workplace is more important than Tom Brady's family. That's not what I'm saying. But it's a different element and it's something that you're in every day. And then on top of game day, not sure how many people out there are listening that have played some type of organized sport or professional sport, uh, but I have. And there's nothing like walking onto a field where you have, you know, and for Tom Brady, of course, it's 80,000, 100,000 fans screaming, cheering for you. That, that sense of that's, that exhilaration, that th- there is a high there or winning a game or winning a championship, there is a high there that no drug on this planet, and I've, I've full disclosure, I, I, I don't do drugs, but there, I would imagine that there is no drug out there that would allow you to get to that high. So th- there, there is a lot to let go here for a guy who's had immense success in his life. So, uh, so again, this could either be he really hasn't made a final decision yet, and maybe with the breaking news yesterday, it hit home, and it was more of a realization, and he's having second thoughts, or he's upset because he wanted to control the narrative, and Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington got out in front of it, and I'm sure he's not happy about that. This has been the Fantasy Forecast Podcast with Anita Marks. Ty, you told me to, to watch the, uh, the Super Bowl uh, trailer, the Super Bowl halftime show trailer. Yeah, it's fantastic. Oh my god! I, I watched that at least five times. It was so good. A lot of people don't know, like Mary J. Blige and, and Biggie were a thing. Like that's how you know they they both kind of they both came up together with, uh, of course, at one point in time we call him P. Diddy. But um, did did you know that? I, yeah, I would imagine. The bad boys. You, yep. 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 Intr- well, you know, I I guess um, my. Uh, my crew, <laughs> my crew had no idea. <laughs> my crew had no idea. They were, uh, they were, they, they, and, and then they were like, no, no, no. I, we, I got to Google that. I'm like, go ahead, Google it. Like, anyway, uh, I'm really, really excited for, uh, for the halftime show. It's going to be so great. So, but without further ado, again, Cynthia Freeland uh, joined me on the show yesterday, breaking down the uh, the new hire for the Giants, Brian Dable, as their new head coach, as well as both games uh, that we're going to see this afternoon. So, of course, I kick it off. My first question with Cynthia is, what are her thoughts on the hiring of Brian Dable? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think like it's kind of it's kind of funny that you know the the, the teams there's always like oh there's only one team in New York right like the Bills and then the other two are New Jersey and now the team from New York now they're actually moving to New Jersey whatever I think it's it's funny but Brian Dable is a really like a good human like just like I said about Joe Shane like really focused really like good energy when you're around him he wants people to truly succeed none of that like weird football like subversiveness he wasn't upset last year when you know obviously his name has been talked about so much for head coaching candidates and it can always, it can be weird and we all know how we all feel about promotions in our own world but he really wasn't disappointed to be back last year he had that true like the right thing's gonna happen when it happens like I'm just gonna do my job and have fun with it like 
oh, I get to, you know, figure out how to make Josh Allen work. Like, what a terrible life, you know, as a joke, obviously. Like, you know, he had just, like, a good, like, just this good energy about him where you're, like, you want to be around him. He's a good teacher. He's a good, like, a, he, obviously he, he understands how to bring out the best in people. I would like a boss like that, right? We all would like a boss that wants to see our strengths and wants to play to our strengths and wants to make sure that we have all the resources around us that, can, like truly can can figure out how to make that strength like pop and shine and in the case of football turn into wins um that I'm, i mean I, what i'm excited about and this is what i talked about when i for the first 30 minutes of the show cynthia and that is you know you and i have, have covered the nfl for a long time we, we know what works and what works is synergy from top to bottom mm-hmm. cohesiveness a, a, a general manager and a head coach both on the same page then that general manager they go out and they hire a scouting department that's going to scout, whether it's free agents or draft players that are going to best accentuate the offense and defense that they're going to want to run. And isn't it crazy? Like more times than not, there's more teams in the NFL that don't have that system in place. And so I think this is a great first step for the giants to start getting that system in place. You know, it's funny. Cause like, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's because like one of my best friends, Matthias Junica played for the giants and, it just feels to me like there are a few organizations that just have this air of like just specialness and like head coach of the New York Giants, general manager of the New York Giants feels to me like such a like, like, wow, like that is it. Like that is one of the most premier job of these premier jobs that you could possibly get. And it's such a good organization. And I love John Merritt's presser this week that was so earnest and honest and talked about you know, their quarterback and how they think about things. And I don't know, I, it's a very special organization. You can feel it top to bottom. Even if you didn't grow up, I didn't grow up a Giants fan, you know, at all. Like until Matthias was a Giant, you know, I, I, I only really thought about the Lions. I was, you know, I, I, I really didn't pay too much attention to them because I'm from Michigan. So, but you just feel like that is a special job. And I think now you have the right people and obviously ownership, like that kind of like self-awareness just, really it just adds to the specialness and i keep saying the word special but i can't think of a better word for it but it's, it's just a really like that is the or like that is a top-notch org you know and again cynthia freeland joining us here on 98.7 espn uh you know I, I think a big reason why besides the connection with joe shane and and the success that that, that dable's had around the nfl but how he was able to really coach up and improve josh allen like you know, Josh Allen, his first year wasn't anything to write home about. It's not like Josh Allen came into the league and took it over like we've seen Joe Burrow do, right? Like, it just has, right. it just didn't happen, and he, he was coached up. And I think that's because the Giants organization are committed to Daniel Jones. I, I do believe that they pick up his fifth-year option. I do believe that Daniel Jones will be the starting quarterback of this Giants organization for the next two years, Cynthia. And, and maybe Brian Dable, besides him just being hopefully an excellent head coach, could be really the perfect guy to hire to – get this young man on track as you said John Mara came out and was very very transparent and said we've done everything we could to screw this kid up and and sure mm-hmm. enough they they have let's be honest so maybe Brian Dable is the right guy to like write this ship when it comes to Daniel Jones your thoughts yeah I think that if anyone could do it it's Brian and you know his personality is such that a lot of a lot of like like all of us think about your own job think about all of the bosses you've had you have done your best or at least I have done my best when I've had people who believe in me that empower me to do the things that I am naturally good at and help me find a way to fill the voids and become better at the things that I'm not naturally good at. 
And I think that that's what you saw Brian Dable do with Josh Allen. He taught him. He used the raw clay that was Josh Allen, which, by the way, is very good raw clay. But it, you, if you don't mold it into anything good, it just can be athleticism with no like real, you know, no boundary to it, right? And what he did was he created a system that Josh Allen could really understand and make his own. And that's the type of empowerment that we all hope to have in all of our careers, let alone if you have to be the quarterback of the New York Giants. But that comes with a lot of extra stress. So I think mentally and, and strategically and, and also like that kind of sort of like I believe in you fit, like someone working to try to get you to be your best is the best feeling in the world like the best feeling. And I think that's what he has. Uh, I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited. Uh, you know, I, I actually, I thought that Brian Flores was going to be the hire. That's what I was hearing for a good week. Plus Brian Flores came here, had a very lengthy interview was probably the giants facility longer than anyone who, who came to visit. Uh, that was Dan Quinn, of course, Dable came here, Leslie Frazier, but apparently, you know, I, I guess maybe didn't make an impression or maybe turned some people off. Who knows? Uh, but now it is Dable moving forward. Uh, let, let's talk about who we think they're going to hire as the defensive coordinator. And, and I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this because I've reached out to a few general managers and executives asking uh, the importance of bringing in a defensive coordinator that has head coaching experience considering that both the general manager and head coach now don't have uh, come in with the lack thereof. So there are quite a few guys, right? Like Mike Zimmer, as we know, out with Minnesota. He's out there. Vic Fangio, out with Denver. He's out there, could come in as a defensive coordinator. Jim Schwartz is with Tennessee. Uh, Lovey Smith as well. I'm just Wade Phillips. I know he's very long in the tooth. But uh, And then, of course, there's Wink Martindale, who, who hasn't had head coaching experience, but uh, his track record speaks for itself. So uh, your thoughts, are you hearing anybody in regard to uh, defensive coordinator position with the Giants, or is there one of those guys I threw out that you think would be a good fit, Cynthia? Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard all of those same those same notes. I don't know to varying degrees of truth, just because who knows, right? Like agents, they all try to like lead us down this path of sniffing things out and trying, you know, trying to figure out like all these different like iterate. I don't know. Agents agents can try to trick people too, so everyone should know that, right? Like you hear things, just beware. But I, you know, I was kind of hoping, and I hate, I hate that there's such a like like a weird stigma about like if you were just like why can't I would love Brian Flores to come in and be the defensive coordinator. And I understand that feels like a step down, but can you imagine like, like he has his head coaching experience. He now he's a, he is way better masterminding the defense in my opinion than he's not, he's not an offensive minded guy. I would love something like that. Like that to me would be special. Brian is obviously from New York. He's a native New Yorker. Like that just would feel like, and it would be confusing because everyone would be named Brian. But other than that, it would be very good. And, I don't know. I, I, I agree. A lot of those other ones sound good too, but I don't know. I think a lot of this is about like, look at the team and look what's in place. You've got some pass rushers. Like the good, it was a good draft class last year in many regards. I love James Bradbury. I think he was a great free agent acquisition. Like there are, there are some great pieces on this defense. Get someone in there who has a vision and really can, and can like think it through and can speak to Joe Shane, right? Like in a way that, that can, everyone can work together. I just wish there weren't such a stigma around like, Oh, you're, you know, Mike Zimmer is not my favorite for that one. He's a little too, to me, he's a little too old school. And I think that, unfortunately, with guys coming out of college, at least what I've heard, like Zimmer's not as easy to talk to for them as, as some of the other guys. I don't know about, like, everyone loves Link, but I, I don't know what that means. So, you know, I, I guess I just, I wish that they could get someone kind of younger, at, but, with, but with that experience in there. Well, Cynthia, you know Brian Flores. Do you, do you think, you I'll know, call he can, him and he, tell him. 
<laughs> well, I'm just saying, do you th- do you think do you think he could eat a piece of a humble pie and come in even though he was considered for the head coaching job, didn't get it, come in and still be a defensive coordinator here? Like could that in in could that work? Like does he have the personality for that? In my opinion, my experience with him has been yes. Like I I have I I've known Brian for many years. He went to Boston College with Matthias and I, and he's a he's one of those people who, like, he's a he's a really smart thinker, and I have seen him admit when he's wrong, even when he didn't have to. Obviously, the the stuff that I don't know what what comes out of Miami, I don't uh, take that with a grain of salt too. Like, I think there's some weird dysfunction down there, but I think that I mean I I don't know. Look, some of it does come down to like if his contract still with a like if he's still getting paid a lot of money, you'd have to take a pay cut to do more. Like, who knows about these things? But I. I would think, like, from a personality-wise, I do actually think he could do it. And I think he'd – I don't think – it might be weird for, like, two seconds. But other than that, like, knowing Brian, knowing – he just – Brian just wants to win. He just wants to play football games and win. Like, he's just – it's only football. Like, I, I don't know – I don't know how to, to put it other than that. Like, just a good dude who loves football. He just loves football. Interesting. Uh Cynthia Freeland joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. All right, Cynthia, before we let you go, let's talk about the games uh, that are going to be taking place. It is the AFC-NFC Championship Games. The first one is Cincinnati and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, For me, uh, seven, seven and a half is a little bit too much, but I think this is a great opportunity to use the Kansas City Chiefs in a two-team six-point teaser. That's how I'm utilizing them. I'm also going to be playing them in the first half, first half minus three and a half. I'm sorry, first quarter minus two and a half. First half minus four, uh, because Cincinnati track record, they're just a team that starts really, really slow. So that's how I'm playing Kansas City. How are you playing this Kansas City-Cincinnati game? I like all of that. My, my kind of like low-key favorite one on this one, on the board for this one, too, is a Joe Mixon first half touchdown, because I think you get good value there. Um, I think they're going to come out with, like, I, I just tried to see what was different between this and last matchup. And remember the last matchup, obviously, the, the Bengals won at home 34-31. But remember, in the second half, the Chiefs didn't score more than three points. They just had a field goal. So I don't think that happens again. I don't think they kind of take their foot off the gas. Um, interestingly enough, uh, but I do think, like, kind of both teams have some similarities and, and actually two running backs of you know, they've been using Joe Mixon in the flat more of the past four games, like his use and the short passing game has really had a big uptick. So I like more than 27 and a half receiving yards for him. And I think the first half touchdown, you just get way more value than the anytime touchdown. By the way, uh, we can wager uh, are that program typically airs Friday nights from, uh, from seven, from 10 to midnight is brought to you by BetMGM Sports. Enough talk. Believe in your game. Believe in your bet. BetMGM Sports. Talking about uh, the two matchups with uh, with Cynthia Freeland. And uh, so let's go to the evening game, and that's the Rams going up against the 49ers. I love the 49ers. <laughs> I love the 49ers plus three and a half. I'm going to play them on the money line, and obviously that will be the second end of my two-team six-point teaser, and I will tease them up to plus, uh, plus nine and a half. How are you playing this matchup? You know, the funny part in this matchup, I like my my gut says that I like the 49ers. My math says that I have an edge for the Rams by just one point. Um, why? Because, well, if you look to see what's going on, Trent Williams, he was limping in that last game. He is not he did not look good in practice. You know, Kyle Shanahan had to come out yesterday and say, like, specifically that he is questionable. That left tackle situation is a big difference maker because what we saw in these first two matchups was like, you know, Kyle Shanahan has like a really good recipe for figuring out Sean McVay. And part of that is 
you know, even this last one, they got the, the Rams got out to a big lead, 17 to three and a half, but they're really bad at making halftime adjustments on defense. They have not been good at it in many of the games. You saw it with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It didn't matter against the Cardinals because the Cardinals just got they, whatever. They just could not come back from it. But ultimately, the, the adjustments on defense are just, they're, they're not doing a good job. But if you don't have Trent Williams there, then Vaughn Miller, hello, you're going to have much better chance of getting to the quarterback, right? So that's just to me, that's what is the difference maker there is Trent Williams' health. And, and so we expect him to go. We just don't, we, we just don't expect him to be 100%. I mean, he was limping pretty badly. My, you know, what I've been seeing about him is that he is not in, like, if this were any other game, it would not be, it would not even, like, it'd be no, is, is what I've been hearing. Again, the truth of that or validity of that, I'm obviously going to watch ahead of, the, ahead of the matchup, but it just makes me scared about the, the differential. Like, I just think the Rams come out. It's very hard to beat a, t- a team, you know, three times in the same season, let alone seven times out of seven matchups. So I just think that, you know, when it, when it comes down to this, ability to I know that Sean McVay has been looking to see you know, why did we not we, he got way too not aggressive in the second half against even on offense less aggressive but the defense it's really the the Rams inability to adjust on defense and I think they will be addressing that um, I think they have been addressing that I think that's something that they're really looking at in this matchup Cynthia Freena always great having you on thank you so much for the insight on on Dable and uh and and interesting oh, he's, great. Note. he's great I'm I'm not that I'm never not a Giants fan but like I'm like the Giants have like been winning the the off season so far by like a mile. <laughs> Love it. That's uh, that's music to everybody's ears here in New York. That's for sure. For Cynthia, sure. enjoy the ga- yeah. enjoy the games. Always great having you on, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. This has been the Fantasy Forecast Podcast with Anita Marks. I'd love to play this podcast for you. It's it's uh, Mike Clay and I. We do it every Friday, and uh, we talk about our favorite prop bets heading into. Each and every Sunday slate of games, obviously two big games today, and we're here to help you win some money. Let's listen in. Last week, Mike, we did exceptionally well. We went 18 and 10. So now we're still in the win column. And in fact, we've gone up from 59%. Our winning percentage is 60% now, which is awesome, especially uh, at this stage in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm coming off uh, personally a big week, one of, maybe my best week of the year last week. Uh, I believe it was 11 and two in that Bengals game alone. So um, fun weekend, a lot of scoring, a lot of excitement last week. Hopefully we get a repeat this week. But uh, most importantly, Anita, we want to we want to crush it again. Right. More winners. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Listen, we're here for the people. Right. We're here to make the people money. So let's dive into it. AFC NFC championship week. And uh, we kick it off with the Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs. Mike, you have the stage, my friend. What you got in this matchup? Yeah, yeah, I got a a few again. I like betting the Bengals this year, uh, especially defensive props. I have a few of them in my column. The playbook's up again, so I go through a lot of scheme uh, and performance data for each team. Projections are in there. I have a whole bunch of props, too. So, obviously, we... You know, we want to fly through this. I won't, I won't get to all of them, but you can certainly check out the column. But I do want to focus in on Joe Burrow here because um, one of the props that really jumped out to me this week was his pass attempt number, which is 38 and a half. That's a big number, right? I mean, this is a team that has been throwing more lately. They are a road underdog. They could be trailing throughout. But, you know, his previous high pass attempt prop this season was 36 and a half. And we're all the way up at 38 and a half this week. Um, and usually when he has a high number, he doesn't get there, right? He's had a prop of at least 35 and a half, four times a season. He went under in three of those games. He's had a line of 34 and a half, nine times this year. It's been the big number for him. 
he's gone under in six of those nine games. And look, overall, he's fallen short of 39 attempts in 78% of his games. It's 14 of 18. Um, and it's actually, you know, it's even worse if you look at, you know, game by game, because he, he threw 40 passes in both games that the Bengals got blown out. They have two double-digit losses, got to 40 in both of them. But in the other close losses, right, within single digits, they actually were all three-point deficits that happened to be. Uh, he was under 39 in all of them. So, you know, I think that unless you think the Bengals get blown out, which is a possibility, maybe you do feel that way. If you think they're crushed by two scores, then fine. Maybe you want to lean toward the over. But if not, if you think this, hey, they're in the final four, this is a good team, they're going to hang in there at least. They just beat the Chiefs a month ago. Then I think you got to lean toward under. This is this number is too high. And by the way, speaking of Burrow, I like eight and a, I like under eight and a half rushing yards as well. He's been under nine yards in two thirds of his games this season. Um, you know he's been this high, a prop of at least eight and a half five times. He went under in every single game. That includes last week when I like the under as well. So you know, as a guy averaging under seven yards a game, doesn't carry it very much. Yes, there could be a random scramble and he gets there, but generally he goes under. So liking a couple unders here on Burrow. Yeah, um, I've been winning a lot of money this year on the over in passing attempts for Joe Burrow, but this number, it definitely gave me a red flag, Mike. So I, I, I love that you're on the under here, and this is one of your plays because I stayed, this is like one of the very few weeks that I've stayed away from the over in pass attempts for Burrow uh, because I think this number is too high. So, uh, so totally on the same page there. You know me, I don't have a column like you do. Um, but I do have a cheesecake factory menu of prop bets that I like to play each and every game. So, uh, so here they are, uh, Travis Kelsey, anytime touchdown, he's got a touchdown in five of the last straight games for the Kansas city chiefs. As we know, midway through the season, they just seemed off offensively, but they peaked at the right time, especially heading into the postseason. And, uh, and he also, he did score a touchdown against Cincinnati in week 17. So Kelsey, anytime touchdown, especially Mike, after, you know, that amazing grab that he made to win the game in overtime, uh, you got to think that, uh, you got to think that Patrick Mahomes is going to go to him again once they get in the red zone. So Kelsey, anytime touchdown at minus 130. Now this, this, this is not your, I think I'm, I'm, I'm zigging while people are zagging or vice versa, right? And I'm going Jamar Chase under. Can you believe it, Mike? Um, I have an what? under here. I know, I know. Brace yourself, right? I should have warned you. Uh, 88 and a half receiving yards. Here's the thing. As we know, last game against the Kansas City Chiefs, 11 of 266 yards and three touchdowns. It was unbelievable, that game. And, what, and, and I, I know it per personally because I lost, and we discussed this, I lost two of my three fantasy football championships because what are the odds? What are the chances? I went up against Jamar Chase in two oh. of my three championships. I know I can't, but anyway, he's only gone over 88 receiving yards in six of the 19 games that he's played this season. And I know Spags, I know coach Merritt, who's the DB coach for the Kansas city chiefs. Both of them worked here in New York. Um, again, full disclosure. I worked for the giants. I was part of their broadcast team. I know both these gentlemen really well. I'm telling you, Mike, they are not going to let Jamar Chase beat them again. They are mm -hmm. not. So, um, so I'm going under, uh, under 88 and a half yard. And I'm surprised it's like minus 115. I thought I would get it at plus money because I'm, I'm, I would imagine that a lot of people are on the over, especially after the first performance that we saw him put up against that Kansas City Chiefs secondary. But again, I'm going under 88 mm -hmm. and a half receiving yards. Joe Mixon over three and a half receptions. I've been winning on this prop bet week in and week out. Why the last... 
uh, four games. He's averaging seven targets. He's become a big part of that passing attack for Cincinnati. And he's also averaging five receptions. So at three and a half, granted, the juice is a little high. It's minus 165, but nonetheless. And uh, Evan McPherson, over six and a half points. Dude is just unbelievable. He has put up over six and a half points kicking field goals for the Cincinnati Bengals in six straight games and 12 this season. So you've got that type of leg. You've got that type of offensive you know, weapon. You're going to utilize it. So I do believe McPherson is going to get the opportunity to kick some field goals in this game. And last but not least, I'm going big picture here in regards to the weekend. Patrick Mahomes, most championship Sunday passing yards. And you can get this at plus 175. Here's some interesting uh, nuggets for you. Kansas City, they have the most plays out of a shotgun formation. They have the highest rate in the NFL. Cincinnati's defense, 23rd pass rush against shotgun and 21st pass defense against the shotgun formation. Kansas City, second most in motion rate. What does that mean? When you see, uh, of course, um, I don't mean to talk down to people, but just in case, uh, when you see Patrick Mahomes put a wide receiver in motion, Cincinnati, 26 pass defense against motion plays, and, um, and they're only getting 35% pressure rate. Uh, they did not sack Patrick Mahomes once in their first game against them, and Patrick Mahomes had a minimum of three seconds back there to complete passes. He passed for 378 um, and 404 in the postseason. So I think Patrick Mahomes is going to put up the most passing yards of any quarterback this weekend, and you can get that at plus 175. So those are those are my KC plays. Any anything there uh, pique your interest or that you can give me two thumbs up, Mike? Yeah, I, I like him. Uh, McPherson's been fantastic the past couple of weeks. I've been on, in on him. Um, it's not plus money this week, so I'm less enthused with him compared to like Robbie Gold. I like his props. I know we're going to talk about that game in a second. Um, but you know, um, the Mahomes uh, passing yardage one is interesting. I actually have him projected at 298. I have Burrow at 306, so very close. Um, Cincinnati and Kansas City have both given up a ton through the air this year. So I think either one of those you can go with. I'm sure you can get better odds on Burrow. So I'm fine with either of those. And by the way, Jamar Chase himself said he expects more cover too from the Chiefs in this game. Uh, Like you said, he crushed them in that first game. But uh, the Chiefs, you know, you know, they're not dumb. They started to adjust in the fourth quarter. It took a long time. I don't know what they were thinking, but they started to shadow him with Charvarius Ward in the fourth quarter. Um, and perhaps they do that throughout this game this time around. Ward, of course, the best corner for Kansas City. Maybe that opens up some lanes for T. Higgins, or if they're in cover two, maybe C.G. Uzama and Tyler Boyd underneath. So uh, it's going to be that, – that's one of the matchups I can't wait to see. I cannot wait to see how the Chiefs try to slow Jamar Chase after what happened last time. All right, let's go to the, uh, the second and final game on Sunday. And, of course, it's the 49ers going up against the Rams. What do you have here, Mike? Yeah, again, got quite a few here, but the ones I want to focus in are on are Matthew Stafford. Uh, believe it or not, unders across the board. Completions is 23 and a half at even money. I like the under. The passing yardage is 280.5 at minus 115 under. And passing touchdowns, this one's a little bolder. I'll get into it in a second, but under one and a half passing touchdowns is plus 180. So um, I'll roll through these really quick, just some details on why I like them. Uh, starting with completions, look, he's been under... 24 completions over half the time this year. And that includes five of his last seven, you know, opposite of the Bengals, the Rams, you know, they were pass heavy to open the season and now they're more balanced over the last month and a half. So that's kept his pass attempts and completions in check. 
Um, and then you look at the opponent, right? So the 49ers have allowed 21.7 completions per game, but 79% of their opponents this year have been under 24. The last quarterback to go over 23 completions against them was Joe Burrow all the way back in week 14. I mean, I say all the way back. It's not that long ago, but that's the most recent quarterback to do it. And only uh, four have this year. So leaning under on that, it's a big number. Um, and then as for the yardage, he, same kind of thing, right? They're not throwing as much. He's been under in four of his last six games. Um, and, and, the, and of course, the opponent, the 49ers, they've allowed more than 280 passing yards only twice this season, two times. One of them you might remember was week one. Remember, they were blowing out the lines and Jared Goff had used all that garbage time and got the 338 on 57 attempts. That was one. The other was Joe Burrow, again, in week 14. So only two times a quarterback has got to this number. I'm going to fade that for sure. Stafford, by the way, well under this number in both games against the Niners this season, 243 and 238. And then again, the bolder one is the passing touchdown prop. Now, look, he's thrown at least two touchdowns in 79% of his games, right? So he usually gets here for, you know, four out of five times he gets to this. But, um, you know, the 49ers have played them twice this season to face Stafford twice, and they held him to one in one game, week 10. And then he threw three in week 18. But here's the thing, the 49ers have held 63% of their opponents, 12 of 19 below two passing touchdowns. It's really good. And they've done it twice in the playoffs and, and they face good quarterbacks. Dak Prescott threw one, they held Aaron Rodgers with zero. So I do think it's possible that the 49ers kind of stymie him or maybe Cam Akers runs one in and he throws one and he's held below two. At plus 180, I will definitely take that chance. I love it. I love it. Um, I'm with you. I, I have the Stafford under as well. Another reason is because the 49ers, they have the sixth best pressure rate, but they only blitz him 10% of the time in the two games that they faced him this season. So I like to use the word elixir. It's the perfect elixir against Matthew Stafford. And as we know, the 49ers, they love to run the football. Their MO is eating up time of possession and they have the fourth slowest rate on offense. So, you know, I, I do expect the 49ers to win that time of possession battle. So by the way, full disclosure, I love the 49ers this week. I love them on the money line. I think they win straight up. So I'm with you with the Stafford props. Some other props that I like Cooper cup, anytime touchdown. I know you're only expecting him to score one, uh, but uh, this I think would be the guy to go to against the Rams. He's got a 22% target share 18 for 240 yards and a touchdown. He's got four touchdowns in four straight games, seven of his last eight. And if there's a weakness in the 49ers defense, it's their slot corner. And of course, as you know, better than anyone else, Mike, uh, that's where Cup spends the majority of his time. Uh, Debo Samuel, anytime touchdown as well. You get it at minus 110. He, he could do it on the air. He could do it on the ground. Uh, he's got three touchdowns against them this season. And um, he's just, his numbers against this, the, the matchups, the way that Kyle Shanahan utilizes him in 11 personnel, 12 personnel, 21 personnel. It, it just, it's, it's magnificent. The way the, the combination of Debo Samuel's talents and ability and the way and the smarts of Kyle Shanahan and how he utilizes Debo, Debo Samuel, he's going to get him in a situation where he, I, I do believe he's definitely going to score a touchdown this week. How about this? Jimmy Garoppolo, give me over 232 passing yards. A lot of people play it down. I get it. Like, you know, he's, if you look at all four quarterbacks that are suiting up this week, you can argue that he's the worst of the four. He averages 260 passing yards a game against the Rams and nine yards per passing attempt. He put up 316 passing yards against them once already this season. And he strategically 
uh, keys in on the middle of the field with him and George Kittle, uh, where the Rams are more susceptible in regard to their, de their, their defense. So I'm going over and I go, I said, I, I know I'm zigging while people are zagging with 232 passing yards for Jimmy Garoppolo. Also Cam Akers under 63 and a half rushing yards. A few reasons here. He's only averaging 2.5 yards per carry in the postseason. Sony Michelle is back there as well. I think the fact that he fumbled the ball twice, Mike, against the Rams has to be a concern for Sean McVay and the 49ers defense have only allowed one running back over 47 yards since week 10. Uh, Debo Samuel as well. Sorry, I, I, I should have put these together over 39 and a half rushing yards for all the reasons that I said, you know, in regard to the scheming, he's got a minimum of 10 carries in, uh, in both playoff games. Uh, he's rushed for 39 yards in his last three games. So this is a, a very doable number for Debo Samuel to rush over 39 and a half rushing yards. Uh, and last but not least, big picture here, like I did with, uh, with Patrick Mahomes, Elijah Mitchell, most championship Sunday rushing yards. You can get that at two to one. He's carried the ball 44 times this postseason. It's evident that, you know, he is, he is the straw that stirs the drink in that backfield. And Kyle Shanahan loves to run the football. He put up 85 yards against the Rams in week 18, 91 yards against the Rams the first time they played them this season. So I'm going Elijah Mitchell, most rushing yards of any running back this weekend. Thoughts before we sign off? Yeah, lots, lots of good ones there. Uh, you know, I'm looking at my lines now, and I actually agree pretty strongly with Mitchell there. I like that a lot. I, you know, your only concern, obviously, is game script, right? Um, but if they're, of course, by that, I mean, if the 49ers are trailing throughout this game by, you know, a touchdown or two, two possessions, they're going to have to throw it a lot. But they were very committed to the run in the first two games. And in fact, that you look at uh, the most rushing attempts by opposing running backs against the Rams this season, number one and number two, Elijah Mitchell in both games. So uh, they've, they're very committed. In one of those games, they were behind 17 nothing in the first half, had to come back and win. And they did that partially by using Elijah Mitchell. So intrigued by that too. And I think that's a good call on Garoppolo. His, his passing yardage line has come down pretty substantially from the opening line. And my projection is actually a little above the line now. So um, it's kind of bouncing around a little bit, but if you can get in on it on a low number, I think that's a good way to go. Great, great stuff as always. And, and again, Mike, why don't you let uh, the listeners out there know exactly how can they find uh, the majority of the rest of your content and what your plays are heading into this weekend? Where can they find it again? Yeah, it's uh, at ESPN Plus. So if you just go to fantasy like you would normally during the season, even you could go to you could go to the chalk section or you could go to the ESPN Fantasy app, wherever you go to get that content. The playbook is there. We got uh, all kinds of stuff, projections for all the offensive players projected scores, the, you know, the over-under props, scheme data, like you were talking about how often the 49ers blitz uh, blitz the Rams, that's all in there as well. How, you know, are they a man, cover, cover two, whatever it may be, all that fun stuff is in there. So I definitely recommend it. Again, that's Mike Clay and myself, Anita Marks. Uh, every Friday we put together that podcast chock full of uh, great prop bets for you to dabble in this afternoon, make the games even all that much more enjoyable. Uh, before we take a break and come back and kick off New York game day with Matthias Kiwanuka, just want to give you my DFS lineups. So, uh, so full slate of games. Mahomes, definitely my number one quarterback this week, uh, the t today. McKinnon and Elijah Mitchell will be my two running backs. Uh, I think Higgins is the, is the wide receiver that has the bigger game, I think, obviously, because... Uh, Jamar Chase torched the Kansas City Chiefs 
that last game they played, I think that they're going to definitely shadow him. So I think T. Higgins is the wide receiver of choice in that Cincinnati Bengals offense I'm going to use in DFS. Debo Samuel, that's a no-brainer. Also Pringle, wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs, is the second most targeted player, believe it or not, uh, in that offense. Travis Kelsey, my tight end, I do believe he finds the end zone today. And Brandon Ayuk, as well as the 49ers defense, is the defense that I am rolling with today. I think a lot of points are going to be put up in that Kansas City-Cincinnati game. In regard to the single game with Kansas City, my captain is going to be Kelsey. Again, I do believe he finds the end zone once, if if not twice. I'm going to use both quarterbacks in Mahomes and Burrow. Uh, Robinson, wide receiver for Kansas City. Higgins, wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals, as well as their field goal kicker, McPherson, because he is their number one uh, just unbelievable season he's having. In fact, they've sold out his jerseys in Cincinnati. They're on back order for like six months. It's ridiculous. Last but not least, uh, individual game for the 49ers. Debo Samuel is my captain's pick. I'm going to go Cooper Cup, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Jennings wide receiver for the 49ers, Robbie Gold, field goal kicker for the 49ers, and George Kittle as well. I think Kittle has a big game with Debo Sam- with uh, with uh, Debo Samuel as well as Jimmy Garoppolo because they like to target the interior, the middle of the field against the Rams, and that's his wheelhouse. This has been the Fantasy Forecast Podcast with Anita Marks.